the day and I'll go to school tomorrow. First impressions are incredibly important. Honey, you can make a wonderful first impression. Brenda, how could you? He was a jerk, okay? I've made my choice and I choose me. Nortel Connection Podcast Network listeners, I am JT, and welcome back to a new episode of 9021 NOSO, the Beverly Hills 9020 Chronological Tribute Podcast. And of course, joining me as always is my co-host on this journey, Mr. Tim Capel. Tim, how are you? JT, I'm doing real well here, and I'm ready to mix things up a little bit here in like our seventh outing now. Mm-hmm. Sixth outing? Hard to say. And, and how so? How are you mixing things up? Well, um, the character focus is going to shift for a change here. We've gotten a slew of Walsh-centric episodes, mostly Brandon-centric mm-hmm. episodes, and now they're mixing up that formula, finally. And and I would say that is uh, most welcome now on our journey. It is a very big breakout episode, for sure, that we're going to get into tonight. Speaking of breakouts, though, we have a, a guest with us that is doing his first ever podcast, I believe, at least with us. Uh, and he's been a longtime listener, a longtime fan. And when he reached out, we knew we had to lock him in and as fate would have it, I think we landed him on the perfect episode to discuss. That is our friend and yours, Mr. Rocco Martone. Rocco, how are you? I'm very good. Thanks for having me, guys. Glad to have you here. Have you ever done any podcast or is this legit your first? I did a couple interviews like for my band, but that was not with an actual topic other than me yammering on about death metal and stuff like that okay okay we'll have to uh plug the band at the end when we talk things so we'll do that uh well anyway we'll have to have you back also when we get to the uh death metal episodes of, <laughs> when Ray Pooh shows up. i'll do the ecstasy episode with uh Molly <laughs> valentine and then the the fire as well uh both fires <laughs> two fire multiple fire episodes and the cult right. episode and yeah sorry go ahead no, we're good. Let's dive in. Episode seven. Listen, if you're new to this, thank you for joining us. Again, we are going chronologically through the show's history. We're going to talk about it at the episode. Then we do a bunch of different awards and character list rankings at the end as well. So if you want to reach out to join us, even like Rocco, if you've never really done a podcast, but you're a big fan of 90210 or you hate it and you want to come talk about it either way, uh, just reach out to me on social media. I'm at JT, the pod guy on Twitter, or you can uh, just find North South connection on Facebook and message us. And we'll be happy to get you in the mix. We are uh, looking for any and all guests, uh, experience or not, to come talk Beverly Hills 90210. Before we get started, Tim, why don't you tell everyone about our favorite Instagram account that's BH now 210 related? Tim, that's your cue. You with us? I am with you. I thought I was uh, being very professional there by muting and then unmuting, but I wasn't. No, like just of muted. course. You can't do the mute without the unmute. <sighs> I know. The Instagram account is called BH90210 Restored. So if you go to that account, uh, you will find a project that's been ongoing for some time by someone who I gather is a fan of the show, but has some resources that I guess the average fan does not, where they are taking uh, individual scenes from each episode that had uh, fairly notable uh, popular contemporary music from the time period that you would have heard in that episode as it originally aired way back in the 90s. 
So all that music's been replaced these days, like all these old shows. You know how it goes. Um, but he has taken those scenes and restored them with uh, the original musical cues intact. So if there's a song you remember fondly, a song you've been missing, uh, a scene that's just not the same these days watching on streaming, check out that Instagram account. We are not affiliated by this person with this person in any way, shape, or form. It's just um, kind of a fun resource, just something you'll find yourself getting sucked into. Um, you know, when you go there and start – you got you look for one particular scene and you're like, oh, now I got to watch all these, right? So, just like one of those uh, great time sucks when um, you know you're bored in the middle of the day, but um, gives us a lot of a uh, lot of joy and um, takes up a lot of my time personally. So mm-hmm. check that out. Uh, that that guy could definitely archive those a little better though, with the maybe the uh, name of the yeah. episode in the in the thing in the in the comment or whatever, because I. It's tough mm-hmm. to find out which episode it is, but he's that's the thing. Off. It is, it is kind of at the mercy of Instagram's um, infrastructure, so to speak, where it's just kind of post after post, not totally organized. So you got to really scroll down to the bottom to get to like the first ones that he did, which were you know from the first season, right? Um, but you know, it's not too too terribly lengthy. I, I imagine it will be over time because he's only in like late season four i want to say just get that guy in the show i know right we're hoping by plugging him for like the first 10 episodes or so maybe it's yeah. uh yeah you know, our way in yeah now i talk uh, shit about him so he's not gonna come on sorry i'm just gonna have to <laughs> cut that part out <laughs> it's not his fault it's not his fault <laughs> all right rocco so like we usually do uh with our guests who are first timers here we like to take a minute step back take like two minutes or so just tell us your history of Beverly Hills 90210. Did you watch it when it first aired? Did you find it later on? Uh, kind of where did you fall in love? Did you fall out of love and come back? What's your relationship with the show? All right, well, this episode came out three days before my 14th birthday. Mm. Also came out on Thanksgiving and the same day as Survivor Series 1990. So, while well, the gobbledygooker. Yeah, yeah, you guys might have been watching the gooker, but I was watching uh, Donna Martin. Um yeah, it was a show that I think I was a freshman, so I was definitely the perfect age for it. But I, I mm-hmm. think it skewed more towards girls or women at that time. So my older sister was definitely watching it, and she controlled the TV. So obviously I had to watch it. And I liked it and uh, definitely watched it for a few years, kind of fell out of it by the time I was like a senior. But then after high school, the friends of my crew who did not go away to college, my, my two friends, we would go to my friend's dad's house was a security guard at night he was an ex-cop and we would watch beverly hills and melrose at the time and hang out and then i worked at a liquor store at the time so it became hang out i'll bring a six-pack hang out i'll bring a 12-pack eventually became more about getting shit hammered and (laughs) plowed and smoking weed and stuff like that before my friend's dad came home from work but we watched it until we watched it maybe that was probably seasons five through about seven or eight and then uh, when my friends who were away at college would come home, that was kind of the spot. You knew Mondays and Wednesdays we would be at this house partying. So it kind of became a cool place to get shit hammered. And people would be talking about this shit like, who, what, who's this and what's that? And we'd be like, shut the fuck up, guys. Like, <laughs> we're here every week. And then uh, we did that pretty uh, consistently until uh, one of my friends in the group kind of had a hippie freak out and smashed the glass and punched the window and cut his finger off almost and uh you know the night ended 
but <laughs> it was a great time uh, post uh, high school to be watching that show and kind of hanging out with some boys and uh you know we did all sorts of crazy shit in my friend's house get strippers and dumb shit like that you do but yeah that's it this poor guy working as a security <laughs> guard late night <laughs> Listen, this dude, like a brothel, yeah. This dude, Pat's... Oh, shit, I almost said his name. Um, <laughs> we would go looking through all his shit, right? And he was a funny dude. He's an old Italian dude. And we're looking through his drawers one day, and we just find a picture of his girlfriend. He was, you know, like a 50-year-old woman with just one titty hanging out. <laughs> and these Four? are just regular pictures. And then the next picture is just a close-up of his zipper down with his big old fucking Italian sausage. Just kind of leathery, not fully engorged, just hanging out. And those were the only two pictures next to a picture of my friend in the whole fucking house of anything. <laughs> so he's, he was no angel, this guy. So Living the wow. dream. Well, that does sound right. like living the dream, though. Man, I wish I was, I was not old enough to get shit hammered on Mondays or Wednesdays or any other night, for that matter. But to hang out, like in the heyday of these shows and do those... Um, the watch parties that they used to talk about. Although it sounds like yours were a lot wilder than the ones. <laughs> Did Lee Marshall show parks. up? <laughs> Tony the Tiger was definitely showing up and uh, yakking away. It was pretty good. It's amazing. Yeah, there was all sorts of shenanigans at that place. So, yeah. Well, speaking of shenanigans. I'll, say, I'll, I'll save that for talking pop. <laughs> yeah, so that you, we'll know keep, you know what? I'll, I'm going to take that down. Himself. Yeah. booked himself. I love it. <laughs> Speaking of drunks and shenanigans and getting shithouse hammered, uh, we have quite the episode ahead of us tonight. So we are talking Beverly Hills 90210 season one, episode seven, The Perfect Mom, aired, as Rocco mentioned, November 22nd, 1990. This is the Thanksgiving special episode. Uh, and it quite was. Uh, the rating is a 6.6. So they kind of they, they started hot with an 11. And that's a number of viewers, not rating, but uh, 11 million viewers down to 10. Then they dipped under eight for a bit. The basketball episode went up. Then they went mm. back down. And this is actually the lowest to date. Oh, uh, that's a shame. But that said, of course, Thanksgiving night. I, I can't be too much of a surprise that they struggled a bit, probably, um, in the ratings. But it still was a decent, you know, six million people tuned in for this one. And uh, it's a tour de force, as we're going to talk about, with a big debut and lots going on. So why don't we dive right in? We are inside the Beverly Blaze office where Brandon's getting kind of pushy. He wants Andre to live a little bit. You know, he says, why don't you do the mother-daughter fashion show and let loose? They, they got to cover it. And they're saying, you know, she's kind of trying to figure out who should cover it. And he tells her to do it. And, of course, Andre is worried about the location issues. It's one thing for her to kind of be on campus, but then bringing her mom into the picture could be a whole thing mm-hmm. uh so brandon comes up with the brilliant idea of well i'll ask my mom cindy will take you and then you can go and do your story and let loose a little bit and she finally gives in and then we also get mentioned of a big story about jim morrison and dead rock legends which made me laugh so <laughs> what the, the hot high school topics are covering but uh so andrea gives in and we'll see where things head uh anything about this scene uh, tickle your fancy guys um yes I, i'll just say that i understand the purpose of you know brandon kind of grilling andre about oh go to the fashion show go to the fashion show you know you need to cover it for the blaze and she's being really cagey about it and then she pulls him aside and is like remember i live out of district i don't want to get in trouble i don't want to get my mom in trouble i know that's for the benefit of the viewers like right, right maybe don't know that like but it's sort of 
becoming a bad look for Brandon because this is like the second time <laughs> she's had to remind him of that in about two episodes, I feel like. Um, it came up in our, our basketball um, episode earlier as well. And again, it's just it's just sort of exposition for new viewers, maybe, but it, it just sort of makes him look really inconsiderate and thoughtless <laughs> to have to be reminded of this yet again. Although in in his defense on this one, like, is it that much of a like? Uh, are they gonna grill her for her address Probably at this not. fashion show? Like, so is it really that big of a risk to have her there? No, but I just feel like he should have known better than to really push it since she was pushing back so hard and kind of. You know, giving him the giving him the side eye of like, hello, you know, like right, right. it's not really just about the fashion. Pick up show. on it at some point. Mm-hmm. The more the, the more I watch this show and the reruns, the more I can't stand his interactions with her. He is such a he's just dangling the, the carrot and oh, he yeah. is, he's it's like, dude, you got a rolled up fish shirt. Like you're, you have a fish on your shirt. Like, what are you doing? Like trying to like school this chick and. I don't know. He was really annoying to me in this. Uh, I, I, he's been bothering me. But uh, did anyone have a school paper? Is this just a TV trope or is that a real thing? So I did. I, yep. really? I definitely had a college paper. I I think there was a high school one, too. I don't remember 100 percent. At college, 100 percent. That definitely was. We actually one. had a um, journalism class in, in high school, which was you could either. Well, it was it, it, it was actually segmented. You could either do newspaper or. The Slack version of that, which I did, that was yearbook. Um, and it, yeah, it was actual an actual class for for a grade. So yeah, but I, I know that not all schools were like that. This, it was a public school, so it wasn't like you know I went to some forty twenty or, or West Beverly or something. <laughs> um, just a public school in the suburbs in Virginia, but it did exist. All right, that's news to me. Yeah, and, and I mean, you're absolutely right. I think we talked about it a bit previously, how he's really been gaslighting her quite a bit on this stuff. And um, it, it makes me wonder if the plan originally was at some point to get them together before maybe things changed and went a different direction. Because they really marched towards it. And they've been doing it since the beginning. Like, since day one, they've been kind of marching toward this being a thing. Do, do you think it was almost backlash against her being kind of labeled and, like, reviews of the show as being too old for the show and the nerd and like the unattractive one, which is not true because she's obviously an attractive person. Do you think maybe that was like, I don't know, maybe I'm, I'm reading into it too much, but I think there could be something to it. I, I it's mean, it's so prevalent. It's so much. It is. Yeah. It seems like a I've lot about for something that never really pays off. Yeah. It just makes him look like a jerk to his girl who obviously is into him. And you can't stop sort of flirting with her. Then Right. Like being the original neg guy, <laughs> just kind of well, like, yeah. I was gonna say, I mean, I think it's realistic. <laughs> like, yeah, well, yeah, that's the thing, but it's not, it's not flattering to him. It's true. I mean, he's supposed to be 16, right? So yeah, that's kind of what a 16 year old dude would do, right? Right, right. Kind of string along until finally cashes in elsewhere. Um, all right. So then we get, you know, and I, I think it's no surprise, right? We're gonna love this episode. We're gonna gush over it. But this to me is the creepiest stuff, uh, you oh, know, yeah. involved in this. So we have David digging on Kelly's, working the video camera on campus and creeping around and basically telling Scott, like, I'm going to get her on camera interviewing. I'm going to be in the dressing room of the fashion show. And Scott's like, you think she's going to be into it? He's like, oh, she's going to get off on it. And like, like, it was just like one step too much of like being kind of the nerd trying to get the hot chick. Yeah. And 
that said, though, he was a bit ahead of his time. Like, oh, he's yeah. the eyes of the campus with a video camera. Like, that's today, right? Everyone's got their phones and everything out. Uh, everything's on film, and he's kind of doing that. He's ahead of his time. Uh, but it was super creepy, Rocco. Yeah, dude, it's like fucking cinema verite David Silver fucking <laughs> doing, like, American Beauty 10 years early. Like, just like, dude, get the fuck a camera off these chicks. Like, great body. What do they say? You got great. She's got great body. Great clothes, which which what dude gives a fuck? And then <laughs> right. and a really great body. It's like, all right, dude, fucking take it, take it easy, take it down a notch, man. I I think he even sniffs Kelly's hair at one point. There is the some uh, Joe Biden esque sniffing of hair going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just very inappropriate. Um, I guess we're supposed to keep in mind that this is not all that far removed uh from something like a you know like revenge of the nerds where they have Mm. you know that scene which is by you know today's standard watching that is like oh there's just a big sexual assault in this movie (laughs) and it's just played for laughs back then um like porkies or something right i mean like the hiding in the locker room with the Mm -hmm. thing and everything yeah and it's supposed to be that kind of sensibility but obviously that's aged very poorly i mean it's never good in the first place, but it's, you know, we have a very different consciousness now. Um, so David does not come off well in these these early scenes, you know, trolling around with the camera. Um, but I don't know. They This goes in a direction that I sort of wasn't expecting at the right. end. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It sets something up. It says, I wish it wasn't as creepy. Like, I wish they positioned it more as if he's just trying to like break in as like a camera person or, or like a news person or something. And like, like versus like he's doing it. Cause it just comes off like he's doing it just for her at this point versus any kind mm. of legitimacy. I think it would have played better that way versus just making him like a super creep. Uh, all right. So we go poolside where Jackie Taylor makes her debut. She's with her friend, Nina. Uh, and I'll say this, like she has a bag of body here. I mean, she is shredded. She does. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That was a shock. <laughs> I, like I would, I was not expecting it because you think of just kind of later era where it wasn't quite this, but she is uh, filling the role very well here, talking up her new man Don, uh, and says she doesn't care about <laughs> sex. She just cares about, just wants a companion that will take care yeah. of her daughter. And uh, you know, maybe wonder, and I guess we'll find out later, but how Don felt about that. Uh, that yeah, not into the sex. She's just just wants a friend. Um, so. She's real optimistic though. She has she has high hopes for the future. You know, she's it's feeling pretty, good uh, about Don. Yeah, yeah. it's cool. She's feeling good about everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, speaking of roles, we should mention Jackie Taylor here, now actually played by Anne Gillespie, who will play the character for the remainder of the series, even into the. The, sequ- the weird sequel series they did like they finally killed her off <laughs> way out where they like fucking kill her off or whatever um and in like a what was supposed to be like a super emotional scene i guess but in the pilot we saw kelly's mother who was this like very dowdy woman with mm-hmm. longer hair and is telling kelly that oh i thought we had a mature relationship and it's just very different from this uh depiction of of uh jackie so they made that course correction that's a change for the better here uh now we're we're seeing the real jackie taylor and gillespie also was paris geller's mom on the gilmore girls for one episode the only oh. time those ever on there I, I i did a little research on this episode and watched kelly and donna's podcast listen to their podcast mm-hmm. they, they do a retrospective and they had cindy on actually for this episode and she mentioned that Nina is 
She was married to Bruce Jenner and oh. is, and is the mother of Brody Jenner. No kidding. She's also married. She was married to David Foster, who's a very famous Canadian musician who's currently married to uh, an American Idol chick. And she was an ex of Elvis back in the day. She's also like a songwriter and she's won Emmys and been nominated for Grammys. She's wrote songs for Josh Groban, Backstreet Boys. Damn, wow. Celine Dion. And, uh, <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And she was like a hee-haw girl. So, yeah, pretty crazy. A career. Varied. And, uh, just in this little throwaway appearance, too. Yeah. And uh, oddly enough, when you watch that and you think it's like, I'm older than both those fucking women right now. And that's <laughs> <laughs> such an eye-opener. <laughs> Without the body, for sure. I mean, I have a body like that, but yeah. You're right. I just saw you on video. Oh, uh, so we have a big moment uh, as Brenda... Uh, comes in and meets Jackie for the first time. Uh, first signs of Jackie's drinking issues are showing up here. Uh, and then we go home where, again, this has been the running season-long thing, right? Brenda's kind of jealous, wants wants a life like her friends have, right down to the point of wanting to have microwave popcorn like Kelly has for dinner instead of Cindy's gourmet cooking. Uh, so just desperate to be someone else here. But uh, So, you know, Brenda and Jackie confer, and this is where we're starting to see kind of Kelly mentioned the issues and Jackie hinting that she's got something going on. Yeah, pretty consistent with Brenda's characterization to date, um, being desperate to fit in and getting this sort of weird pushback from her mom, um, who just kind of doesn't get what the big deal is. We also get a nice close up of um, Brenda's ripped up uh, jeans. She's She's got two. Uh, big gashes right under her both butt cheeks, actually. Um, so I think that, that, I think that happens later, actually. But yeah, it's uh, definitely there. I think that's hap- that happens after. Well, it's it's if nothing else, it's a big '90s uh, uh, fashion hallmark for sure. So um, it, it's funny because her mom is like saying that they're bad jeans. It's like those jeans will cost two hundred dollars right now. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> in this scene, she actually kind of let it go, and then it it it's almost like Brenda was flaunting it that she finally actually says something that might've been Brenda's best outfit of the season too, by the way. If you're I right. thought this was the best she looked overall. And yeah, yeah. I, I kind of, in, in yeah. the whole episode, in the whole episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. She looked pretty amazing in this episode. In the, the, head, scene, the headband right? helps. Headband. <laughs> uh, all right. It, it so must be, it's funny. Cause he's like, she's being very effusive about Kelly's mom and stuff like that. And it's gotta be, I don't know, Justin, like you have kids. So like if your son came home and just started talking about this new dad that he met, not that you met, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm you, a dude, new dad. Has that feel? Has that felt bad? Like, like, how does that work when you're a mom? Like, it must feel terrible for Cindy to have to hear like how great this woman is. You know, like I for a parent. I talk about the model like that, so I guess I'm used to it. But <laughs> the yeah, yeah, I would think it's stinging a bit. I I think probably with teenagers, you probably accept it more, right? It's probably like you're just done by then anyway, kind of thing. Mm. Um. So you're probably like, well, you know, it's just teenage bullshit. Fuck you. You don't know how good you have a type thing. But I think it's just heightened here because of the difference. Like, I doubt Brenda was running around doing that in Minnesota, you know. Uh, right. I'm just thinking because it's all of a sudden this big switch to this more glamorous, lax lifestyle with a ton of money and, you know, bougie boozing babes all over the place. and <laughs> wanted to do the alliteration uh out that party in and you know just letting the kids do whatever like i think that's just like intoxicating to someone who probably just lived a very buttoned up uh basic midwestern life before this yeah i mean they've only been in beverly hills for two months so yeah i guess he's still like the the glamour the glitz the the bright eyes are still there 
Right, still very shell-shocked. Yeah. Shell-shocked. Cindy's, Cindy's probably more sensitive anyway. to it, too, only because Brenda has been riding her ass a little bit in these past few episodes about this very issue. Um, oh, you don't fit in. You, you know, you're suburban mom. You were more Beverly Hills back in Minnesota than you are in Beverly Hills. Like, that was a line she used on her in a previous episode, and it's it's just kind of continuing that through line, which it's good to see that sort of character continuity in this it's show. It's been the most consistent storyline, yeah. her and Cindy. Like, that's I think the so. one that's been in every episode is Brenda feeling like she wants to fit in and Cindy struggling to help her do it. And Cindy struggled herself. We saw that a couple of times, too, right, where she doesn't mm-hmm. have any friends and doesn't know what to do, kind of no identity. So it's uh, it makes sense that there'd be this natural tension. That and Brent, uh, Brandon treating Andrea like shit. Yes. That's... <laughs> All right. I'm going to try to segue again. Speaking of treating a guy like shit, uh, Don, or speaking of treating a woman like shit, Don is gone. Uh, he has dumped Jackie already and wants other women. That's So maybe she should have put out. Maybe she should have been more worried about the sex. And Don uh, would not have vamooshed. But he's gone. And then, so Jackie comes in and she's like hungover. And this is where we really start to get the, the tour de force in full effect. So she comes banging into the house. She's like, Don's gone. And Kelly's just standing there. Like, she's like, what the fuck? And Jackie uses her like a personal secretary, which is really funny. <laughs> she's like, cancel my meetings. Like, all my I'm shit. supposed to have lunch with this person and meet this person. And she's like, tell him I'm not going to be there. Like, like, is Kelly really, is this the role she's in? Or did Jackie just think she was her secretary and was so drunk she was confused? Like, it was very, uh, it, was, it was funny. Like, she got, like, what the fuck? Like, it was like a, it was like a West Wing walk and talk too. Where yes. She's walking yes. through the house and just <laughs> rattling off shit stomping up the stairs barking back at her uh oh and then God. jackie goes into her which we'll have to pick the right time to talk about this bedroom i don't know if we want to do it now or or it I, be a little bit. yeah it's but so she goes into her bedroom that also contains a kitchen uh which we had kind of seen earlier and i don't I, I can't even just call it a bedroom it's like the whole second floor is just like an open concept mm-hmm. that includes like a makeup area a kitchen a bedroom uh, I think we'll wait a minute to talk about the, the electronics, but um, it's like what you picture. The whole thing is, this is very big eighties to me, like Jackie, yeah. the look, the drinking, the partying, the drugs, the bed, the, the house set up is very like concept eighties concept, open floor on the top. So like everything is one, it's all white. And she had a bottle of vodka that Kelly earlier had dumped and Jackie is pissed and this is where I mentioned like Brandon gaslighting Jackie put him to fucking shame in this scene, uh, just taking Kelly for a rider on the neighborhood. Uh, you know, no other moms make the time I do to volunteer and you do this to me and all this other shit, just really going in yep. on her and thanks trying to make the, it feel bad. Thanks for the advice. Little miss AA. This is a mother talking to her teenage yes. daughter. Mm-hmm. Holy mm-hmm. shit. It was brutal, uh, but so entertaining. Have you ever dumped, like, I remember my mom and dad, like, st- were smoking, and this was, like, when Reagan was, like, big on, like, no drugs and shit. I remember taking my parents' cigarettes and throwing them in the toilet, and it was, like, the biggest fucking thing in the world. Right. Like, like I was like, I'm going to save your life. It's like, Jesus Christ. Seven years from now, I was fucking chain smoking and, you know. <laughs> but see, it was a learned behavior. Yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. They should have threw me in the fucking toilet. But, yeah, like, it's a, it's a wild uh, thing to think of, uh. You know, Kelly really was bringing it in this episode, man. She was really, like, pulling her fucking weight in terms of uh, 
acting and just yeah. like, really being a like a real force in the in the episode so far. This brought because she's been very marginalized so far. She's she's had some episodes have been a little more heightened, but this was really the episode that made like showed off that she's not, you know, just like the vapid kind of Beverly Hills girl that's going to be in the background and sometimes pop up. Right? It's kind of what her Donna, even Steve to an extent have kind of been where it's just like they represent this side and Brandon and Brenner on this side. Now they actually showcase her having way more depth, and this really does kick off you know, her becoming more of a character and less of like a background piece. And she was like, she was, this was a big thing for her. Like mm-hmm. this, this fashion, we don't, you know, we're, we're thrust into the episode, but like, and I think she's talking to Brenda about the clothes and she's like, we're, what does she say? Like uh, their clothes are going to dazzle, but I want to destroy. I think she says about their clothes. Like, <laughs> like this is a big fucking deal. And like, right. we see the, like the complete breakdown of this chick who felt like her mom was kind of getting her shit together and then fucking a boom. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Um, I mean, this show has flirted with the notion of the non-Walsh kids having to parent themselves. We saw Mm -hmm. some of that with Steve. We've certainly seen it with Dylan in his debut. Uh, Kelly, I guess, a little bit in that, again, the weird original mom scene (laughs) from the pilot. Uh, They take it in a different direction here, but she has really stepped up to the plate. And as fatigued as we've kind of been with these very Walsh centric episodes, I, I really think this is like a Kelly episode, our first mm-hmm. non Walsh child episode now. And, and for, for it to be centered on Kelly of all characters, uh, it's sort of a, sort of a big vote of confidence and Jenny Garth. And I think she, she really displays some, some acting chops here, especially as things are going to get going. And uh, I got a sense that this, this very manic, this very frenzied exchange between she and and Jackie was something that it was not novel. It was not something that right. it was like a nightly occurrence, you know. Yeah. It's yeah, it's like it, Kelly was was disappointed in that it seemed like maybe Jackie was turning things around here lately, but now it's like, oh, here we go back back to the same old, same old. And uh, yeah, like you said, Jackie ordering her around, call this person, call that person, cancel all my shit for the day. Like it's nothing they haven't been through before. And uh, all of that is conveyed really well in that, that very volatile scene. I mean, good Lord, Jackie with her, her eyeshadow all smeared. <laughs> and she, she's spitting bullets. You can tell she's been crying. Um, I'll just say the the term "road hard and put up wet" comes to <laughs> mind in trying to describe her appearance there. And uh, shit, I, I don't know what kind of competition this show had at the time. Maybe Ann Gillespie should have been up for Emmy consideration <laughs> in that one. It's it's amazing. It's it's funny things. Kelly was gonna be when you watch the first couple episodes. It's like she's gonna be the villain of the show. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then something like this comes in and completely undercuts that whole idea. And it kind of makes you wonder if her, what she's doing here. It's like she was given all the heavy lifting in the later seasons of, you know, yeah, anything you could do to that chick, they did to her and yep. she pulled it off, you know, maybe yep. based on this episode, they were like, oh, shit, this chick has some chops, you know? Yeah, I really feel like her and Steve were set up to be the villains and, and the antithesis of Brandon and Brenda. Um, they're, they're Beverly Hills counterparts, right, that they were going to have to deal with. And I think they pivoted really hard when they realized they'd be better off with more of an ensemble on the, on the face side. Um, and then kind of the bad guy of the week type thing that we'll get into at least for a bit. All right. So we continue to burn hot with Brenda and Cindy. They're having their issues. Cindy's kind of keeping her Midwest stylings. Brenda wants a West coast life that's ongoing throughout this. 
We get more super creepy, David. This is where he wants to sniff Kelly's hair as he's videotaping her walking down. And he's like, I bet it smells nice. Or what the fuck he's saying? Uh, this, this is somehow even more creepy than the first uh, first scene. Oh, absolutely. Oh, no doubt. Yeah. And you get like almost Donna, Donna, almost, Donna almost gets some dialogue and she just doesn't. <laughs> They probably cut that out. I feel like the dramatic stuff in this episode, they was so much that they had to cut some stuff out because it seems very, you know, like flies. It's tight. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really curious. I'm curious when Donna steps in. Like it's gonna be soonish, I would think. Or is it the whole first year? Like I'm I don't have a recollection of when she becomes more of a character and less of just like a person in the background. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't either. I mean I can't recall anything going on with Donna prior to her when she st- when she and David start dating, which isn't going to be for a little while yet, I feel like. Wasn't well, it a sleepover one? Like I think she's big. Mm, in yeah, she's she's probably there. yeah. That's coming up. So not that it's a heavy Donna, right? Ep- but she's there. I mean, more of like in the group versus just kind of mm-hmm. Kelly's pal. So we'll track it. All right. So another through line has been going since the beginning that kind of is tied into what we've been talking about is Kelly and Brenda both kind of being jealous of each other's moms. So Kelly obviously is like thirsty for the stability that Cindy brings, the hot meals, the easygoing, uh, caring, not being a drunk. And Brenda's jealous of Jackie, of course, not knowing the bad, right? Just seeing her being kind of glamorous and giving Kelly whatever she wants and here, take my credit card and buy your clothes and living it up. So that's been playing out. But now we're at dinner. Kelly is staying at the Walsh house because she had to get away from Jackie. So she's uh, here for dinner. And also at dinner is Andrea with Brandon Mm because they're going to broach the big subject of Andrea going to the the fashion show with Cindy. And uh, the first thing I noted was poor Andrea with this fucking vest is tragic. Like (laughs) awful, just awful vest. Uh, Awful look for this big, you know, we know she's into Brandon meeting the parents, even if it's about something else. You still think ah, they probably could have done her a solid and made her cleaned up a little bit more. Uh, and then Cindy's in for it. She says she'll go, but she's also very, very, uh, I don't want to say upset, but disappointed, sad that Brenda didn't mention this. Right. So it's first she's plays, hearing about it. Yeah, this plays up more. She's like, is she embarrassed of me? Uh, so the I thought the dinner scene has some pretty good tension in here uh, with, with Andrea and Brandon kind of, you know, innocently bringing up this idea. And just really puts Brenda in the squeeze box because of it. Um, you get you get Jim first line of the whole fucking show, so antagonistic towards Brenda. Why didn't you tell us about this? It's like Jesus <laughs> Christ, dude, take it easy on her, man. Like he is such a dick to his daughter. It's insane. Well, we're gonna see him mellow out as this episode progresses <laughs> in a way that um, mm-hmm. I wonder if that was a deleted subplot as well. <laughs> yeah, it definitely was. Musical, <laughs> More musical, on Jim, theory, right? musical therapy for uh, Jim. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I do sort of wonder if they they made um, Andrea look, you know, the way that she did in this scene, just to kind of offset how glammed out she's gonna be mm. for her later on. Uh, I don't know. I may be giving too much credit there. Did you think about like when they were doing Kelly with the meal prep when she's like got the super sniffer like uh, Gus from Psych where like she's smelling olive oil and time <laughs> talking about like all pressed like 
I guess they're still trying to show that she is kind of, you know, fancy pants a little bit, but right. they allude to her nose job. But it's yeah, it's, there's even a funny line about her nose job. Yeah, you yeah. I mean, just spotting dimes. I don't know what to believe. But yeah, she's. Uh, yeah, she says that basically since my nose was fixed, she kind of says something like that. She could uh, pick up the hint of all these different items and accoutrements. And, and- and for someone that we're supposed to have sympathy with, she is kind of a real bitch to Andrea at the dinner scene. It's like she's still yeah. kind of treating her, and she's, like, talking shit when they say they're going to invite her to dinner and stuff like that. Right, right. Well, that'll come full circle later. <laughs> we'll see at another dinner. Have you ever had, like, a real awkward dinner at your friend's house? Like, you go to their house and just, like, some weird shit starts happening? Uh, not at my friend's house, but with friends, like, at a restaurant. It wasn't like a family thing. It was like a relationship thing. And it was like the most awkward shit ever. I've had friends who like got in trouble or or even like got grounded because of something that happened while I was over. And it was just sort of like, well, guess that's the end of this sleep. <laughs> you know? Which yeah, it's almost kind of it, it's funny because it's thinking about that. And you think about what happens later with the embarrassment. And it's like the idea mm-hmm. of like your parents embarrassing you, which is such an right, interesting yeah. concept. They're like, I remember playing like tech mobile at my friend's house once and he had like a real shitty younger brother that would always like kick you. And he called you a, a motherfucker. And he was like three. My friend was mild. He would pile drive him all the time. Is this just, my he, house? He just, <laughs> my friend just made my, a current bad, house. my friend made a bad brother. The kid sucked. And like we were playing tech mobile and the kid kept running and kneeing me in the back. So, like, the last, like, the 12th time, I just palm strike them right in the chest. Like, get the fuck off me. I was, like, 10, dude. You know, it's all cool. But then my he ran downstairs crying, and my friend's dad, my friend's name was Rocco, by the way, and his dad's name was Rocco, weird enough. But a lot of Rocco's. Oh, shit, yeah, that was my dad's name, too. But. Rocco's so my mother. friend's dad comes up, fucking angry Italian dude, and just starts kicking the shit out of my friend while I'm playing Nintendo. Holy. And just, you know, and it's just like, what the fuck? He's, like, literally kicking him. I just ran home. It was, like, a whole thing. But it's just, like... When you're like a young person, you don't expect some wild shit to just go down right. when you're at someone's house. And that's like the level of embarrassment and just like this weird thing. He had to come over to my house and apologize to my parents and shit. So, anyway, sorry, I got off topic there. So we do get, you know, it. you mentioned that Jim uh, is kind of an addicted Brenda. But this is kind of the first time we get the like daddy's girl thing from him. Because he goes in hard defending her to Cindy, like trying to get her to forgive her. Um, saying, you know, she probably didn't mean it. There's a lot going on. Like, you should, you know, just give her a break. This is kind of the first we've seen Jim really kind of cave a bit and back up Brenda. And Cindy says, you know, maybe you're right. Maybe I should embrace Beverly Hills a little bit more now. Yeah, so that that has a way of smoothing things over. And I guess we're on for the the mother daughter and daughter plus uh, mm-hmm. fashion show now. Um, Cindy's feeling real good about it. Her and Brenda seem to be on the same page. Um, but things in the Taylor household continue to be pretty volatile. Yeah, because Kelly arrives home and old Jackie's passed out drunk in the bed. Kelly through uh, the doggy door. Yes, that. that's right. She's, she's locked out, comes into the doggy door uh, uh-huh. and finds finds Jack uh, passed out in the bed. And this is where we get the real sharp look at the uh, the room where it's so... she has not one, but two like wall unit, the combo telephone, keyboard, <laughs> monitor system. So the bedroom has like a kitchen, it has like a seating area, 
the bed and then these giant systems that are on both sides that I, I don't maybe someone who you know really grew up like affluently in the 80s that's listening to this could tell us like what was this thing so I my need guess, to know I need to know my What's... guess my standing theory is a stock quote machine of some sort so okay. either she was a broker or her ex-husband who we heard mentioned earlier Jack was a broker um, and he had these installed because it's got the monitor you can make the call in to, to place the trades. It's got the keyboard to pull up the quotes. I feel like that like would maybe track with kind of the 80s being rich and loaded, you know, like kind of thing. Does that need a ticker tape coming out of it, though? <laughs> no, I didn't see any ticker tape. I think there might be a printer at somewhere like that's sort of obscured in, in most of the shots. I think maybe there's a printer on top of this apparatus. Maybe. <laughs> Well, that's why I thought maybe it was like a fax machine, too. Yeah, it could be. I, I, the, I'll tell you, the part that's throwing me the most, two things, really. I don't, it's like, you know, it, it's situated in such a way where it, it would be hard to, like, sit at this actual, quote-unquote, workstation. Mm -hmm. There's, like, a bunch of shit in front of it. it. It looks like there's a, it literally looks like there's a mini fridge in front of it, which... Having a mini fridge next to her bed would track, but but uh, you know the placement of it is is pretty inconvenient. Plus, the keyboard, which and when we say keyboard, it is a full ass fucking keyboard. It's like a you know from a old '90s Packard Bell computer, separate standalone keyboard, just built into this little display above the phone. And it's like, how are you supposed to? I mean, there can't be the expectation you're going to actually sit there and type on this keyboard. That's It'd be impossible. It's like, yeah. that's why I thought maybe like a quote machine where you're just putting in like, you know, mm -hmm. three letters or whatever um, to pull stuff up versus like I actually mean, typing significantly. Maybe it pulls away from the wall. So it's like on a <laughs> cord that I, I just. But why would it be in the bedroom? Why I would don't... it be where? Yeah. It, but this is like a multi-purpose room. It's not just a bedroom. It's. <laughs> You it's got a kitchen, it's got a living room. area, it's got a makeup counter, like it's, it, it's like. There's a lot of shelving too. I mean, a lot of shelving, like just the way that there's books that are sort of not even in bookcases, but just sort of stacked around all the, I mean, it's the architecture of this house. It's just like you said, Justin, it's, it's very open floor plan. It's, it's very, um. 80s looking in a way that just doesn't exist anymore the exterior of it also is it's like one of those like power rangers command center of uh, exterior shots that were used in so many 90s shows i feel like um i this house just has a lot going on I guess you forget, too, that back then, like a TV, everything had, I don't know if infrastructure is the right word, but, you know, like a tube TV. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, there's so much shit that could be behind that thing, so maybe it has to be behind that wood, but it yeah. still doesn't make any goddamn sense. It's it's very convoluted. If anyone had one of these things, let us know. Um, but it's, I, I, yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen Creep Show, the original Creep Show, but there's a, mm -hmm. there's a, the, the last segment, I think it's, uh, I forget the guy's name. He was the. Uh, he was um, the mom's uh, dad, grand, the grandpa in a Christmas vacation. E.G. Marshall, I think is his name. And he's uh -huh. a rich dude. He's a rich dude. And he's in like a, a penthouse. And he's uh, like a Howard Hughes-esque 
racist asshole. And he thinks the world is ending, so he goes into a safe room. Mm-hmm. And he's got all these crazy computers and phones and shit. And then all these cockroaches come and kill him. But it almost looks like that to me. <laughs> I, know J- I know JT's never seen that. But, uh, mm, no, sounds awful. But it, watch the last segment of Creepshow. It almost seems like this like fake tech that would be yeah. in like an 80s thing saying this is the future. Right, yeah, that, that's it could just this, be that. It could mm-hmm. just be a complete fabricated yep. setup that was meant to replicate like they're way ahead of the time with all their money and they have futuristic shit in there. Don't you want it to be real, though? <laughs> yes. I feel like they probably just rented this house. I don't think there's any set stage dressing in this house. This is a real fucking deal, you know? Right. I mean, it, and it kind of is like even we saw it with Steve's house. Remember, they had that like, fucking intercom system thing going on? In the <laughs> yes, they had the PA throughout the house. So I don't know what's going on. Um, I mean, I was yeah, a teenager I, in the 90s, and like the only intercoms I ever saw at people's houses were completely from the 70s and never worked. Right, so. always broken. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know what this thing is. Uh, maybe we can find out someday. Right into the the real Beverly Hills Navajo pod and see if they can explain it to us because <laughs> it's a uh, very very confusing looking and no clue uh, what it could possibly be. But it's even this sh- even this house is like almost like separate apartment. Like it's like her own level. Mm-hmm. And it's just all open. Like that, it looks that's like the most it. uncomfortable house in the world, too. Like it's yeah. like there's a loft within the house <laughs> with its multi stories already. It's just it, it doesn't make any sense how just the layout of this house. It it I don't <laughs> think it's it's possible. Well, I'm curious what's like like is it just two levels like a split level where the bottom is like Kelly's mm-hmm. floor and the top is Jackie's. Like, it feels that way, but you're telling me that's, like, the only kitchen is whatever the fuck was in Jackie's bedroom? Like, that just looked like a wet bar. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't, yeah. it was big, but it didn't look like, like, a full-on usable kitchen. It just had, like, a sink and a fridge and all this other stuff, but... Plus, if, if you're a hardcore drunk and cokehead, there's no place to get any darkness in this fucking house. Like, if you're waking up hungover, mm-hmm. you yeah. are fucking miserable in this house, man. There's not even a, a blind or a shade or anything, and the, the whole thing's white. There's not even like a cushion anywhere besides the bed. It's it seems like miserable to wake up in that house and be hungover. She needs some blackout curtains at least because it's getting flooded with natural light. Yeah, dude. Especially she's well waking up in the morning with her uh, scream that she needs a jump start and shit like that. Like, come uh-huh. on, man. You need to ch- you need you need a week a dark room or something to chill out. In. A Mexican blanket hanging over the. Uh, am I allowed to say? Is that bad to say? Mexican blanket? Are those what those are called? <laughs> it, there's some. Um... Some kind of exotic-looking artwork adorning this house. So I mean, I'm just talking about when you would go to like your friend's college room and they didn't have actual blinds or things. Mm-hmm. They would just put the blanket over the. Oh sure, yeah, just throwing the random blanket out. Yeah, something like that. But what do I know? All right, so everything we just went over is absurd, but it's not even the most insane part of the scene. So Jackie <laughs> Kelly's trying to wake her up because they got to get to the fashion show. And Jackie just wakes up and blows a line of coke, just like casually in front of Kelly. Like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, just literally wakes up, picks up. She's like, all right, I'm fine. I'll get up. I'll get up. Just bends over, pulls the coke out, hits a line. And Kelly's like, what the fuck are you doing? And she's like, I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Like, I'm just going to wake up. And she's indignant that her daughter is upset. (laughs) Right. It's insanity. Insanity. I'll just say, like, not not to personalize this one too much, but um, like when I was a kid growing up, and even a little younger than than Kelly, like 
I, I was largely raised by a single parent, a mom who she kind of had her wild ways, but um, I can assure you she was never blowing rails right in front of me um, <laughs> or, you know, having to be pulled out of bed after after a big bender. Um, yeah, this is some rough stuff. And again, just further like continuing that that um, pattern of suddenly sympathetic here is is Kelly now um, kind of. Even more so than Steve, I would say at this point, really right on par with Dylan. And I like that Kelly too. In that episode, she's just got like a t-shirt and shorts on. She's very stripped down, very not glamorous. You know what I mean? She's she's right. like very vulnerable looking. Mm-hmm, and she's mm-hmm, watching this mm-hmm. fucking madness go on. Just pure insanity, and it's gonna get even crazier. So, the, God, I'm sorry, Rocco. No, I was just gonna say this: the scene where she's doing the the rails with the the coke. She's got the little vial and everything. It's it's a little bit of a weird faux pas because if she's got the razor blade there, which is something that if you've ever done coke, no one has ever used a razor blade in real life to cut cocaine. It's just like a a thing that you see right. on TV shows. It's like <laughs> the first time I ever tried to do coke, I pulled out a razor blade because I worked at like a liquor store, and the dude was like, "Dude, get that shit out of here." I'm like, "What's going on?" So they do it in the movies. Well, he's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "Oh." He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "If you're doing coke all night with me, I don't want a razor blade anywhere near this fucking room." <laughs> I was like, <laughs> All right, that makes sense. So I'm a smart person, so I pulled out my driver's license to use to cut the line. And he's like, dude, what the fuck is wrong with you? Maybe not give the one thing you're going to hand to a cop if you get pulled over. Like, you know shit. what? Another one, um, I shouldn't volunteer, is when people will take a uh, like a $100 bill or, or whatever, like a, an actual cash bill and roll it up. and You don't want to snort up something like that. You know, it's disgusting, right? Yeah, like That's in your mucous a, membrane and your nose might start yeah. bleeding. You don't want that shit in there. Yeah, it's so gross. Like, nobody actually does that. Um, plus, plus, if you hand it to me, I might steal that $100 bill. So. There, yeah, yeah, there you go. You're <laughs> not paying attention. But no, um, there's a lot of those uh, things that are done for, for the camera that aren't necessarily true to real life, but gets the point across, yeah, certainly. It's shorthand, right? It's just a shorthand. It's short. It's a, it's act, exactly. It's a kind of cinematic shorthand and this seems to be a turning point for kelly like as messed up as her mom has been i don't know that she's ever seen her just fully doing coke right in front of her like this not to say she hasn't done it but to be so nonchalant about it as she is here is right she's um, getting a little too casual and comfortable with the whole thing yeah yeah and Kelly's, it's the morning too mm-hmm, yeah right mm-hmm. or it's supposed to be anyway well, she says she has to be at the thing by noon, so. Well, yeah, it's still early. So as this is all going on, Brenda's, like, hyping Jackie to Cindy. Like, this amazing, I can't wait for you to meet her. Like, really talking her up. Uh, so now we're at the the fashion show. Andrea's there. She cleans up nice. She's looking good. Uh, you know, she's kind of got the little choker thing on, hair done up, got the dress, taking notes for her story like a nerd. Brenda and Cindy tell her she looks beautiful. She writes it down. Um, and then smart, we get a good smart bonding and moment. Sorry, yeah, smart, smart and beautiful. beautiful. It's not fair, she says. Ultimate package. Uh, we get some good bonding here. As Jim and Brandon are perving on all the models. They're walking <laughs> in and they're like, oh, you know, hachi machi, pulling the collar, uh, feeling good as they enter in here, saying we better we better go hide before someone sees us creeping on the chicks. It's right. straight up like a fucking night at the Roxbury. Fucking <laughs> it going on with those was. Two. Yes, it was. <laughs> very comedic and why are they the not music, allowed to though? be there it's a whole fucking thing like, i know uh, they were acting like it was like they had to sneak in or something it was weird <laughs> so 
speaking of creepy, we get David in the dressing room. He finally is trying to get his big interview with Kelly. She's not there. Uh, and then they finally arrive, and David's like, can I talk to you? And like, like, again, like, I know he's been dying to do this. He's been building it up for weeks, but like, read the room. Like, they're both mm-hmm. frantically coming in. And he's like, oh, good. And then I couldn't believe she said, okay. <laughs> it's like, I thought for sure she was going to tell him to go fuck off, but she's like, yeah. fine. But that gives Jackie the chance, the opening, to slip away and go hit another line. This is where she pulls out the vial and uh, does a little line in the bathroom. And in comes Cindy to take a leap <laughs> and sees look. her. And then it's like, like, what the fuck? And then it's like, doesn't just like slip away quietly. She's like, sorry. And like slams the door and walks away. So. <laughs> she is totally like the look of revulsion on her face is amazing. And then Jackie gives the fuck look like that's someone. Oh, else. yeah. Yeah. David, the most hypocritical motherfucker ever calls it. What is it? He's like, is it a charitable cause or a, a superficial sleaze fest? It's like, dude, you're filming chicks and talking about sniffing their hair, and putting in a pillow and shit. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. Now he's a hard hitting journalist. Yeah. Have some perspective. Fest. Yeah. Fucking Geraldo Rivera. Like, get out of here. dude. <laughs> he is not having a good episode. No. So we get Jim and Brandon. They're in the crowd. It's like Stather Waldorf sitting in the fucking audience, like <laughs> cracking jokes uh, during the the fashion show. And then we get possibly, I think it's probably the best scene we've seen so far on Nine Two and and that is Jackie as the host, like hungover, high on coke, just roasting everyone and melting down, just a full fucking spiral disaster on display. Um, like just commenting on the clothes. Then she goes into a rant about men, and then she calls out Cindy and Brenda and Andrea. Then she calls them out again and starts shitting on them for not coming out. And like she's like starting to sweat like under the lights. Starts and bitching about the lights. Those lights, man. The bane of her existence. Banging down on her. She's bitching about them multiple times. You get the murmurs of the crowd. Like here we go. Everyone's talking. Kelly's fretting. Um, Andrea is like strutting her shit on the catwalk and Brandon's getting a little excited about it and Jim's like isn't that the girl that was over for dinner the other night uh, so they're all feeling it and Brandon's like I don't know anymore it's like right. dude all she did was take her hair down she took her glasses off, off. yeah yeah it's like fucking a Clark Kent situation she's, going she's, on yeah, here, like, she's all that at him and he's, uh, he's smitten so we get the feel good moment for Andrea. That was nice. Uh, and then we get Donna and her mom come out. So we get Mrs. Nancy Martin, who's Nancy Martin. Yes, this is not, not the not police. the Mrs. Martin will come to know and hate <laughs> in later years. Uh, and then big moment for Donna. She rips off the outfit. She's got like a bikini on. So oh. shows off the goods. And I, my one thing here that made it feel like maybe went differently than it should have. It was like, they really let her go out. They gave her a long leash, Jackie. Like They did. I feel like more realistically, they would have pulled her off stage a lot quicker than they did. If this was like a real situation. I mean, she's running the event though. So, I mean, who, was they, who would yeah. pull her off? Kelly would go out there and like try and talk to her, I feel like. I would never. At least like try I would to never pe- go up to my parents and tell them anything when I was a teenager. So. Yeah, maybe not. She, um, she certainly does hang herself out there. But the... I mean, you alluded to it. The the ADR in the scene is is incredible. Um, I think it's meant to be, what's her name? Nancy Martin, Donna's, uh, again, fake mom here, who has the line, I think she's on something out there, which is kind of, I mean, she's in the frame, but you just sort of hear 
this voice from the nether say that and that's just one of many lines oh that's a bit rude you know it's just <laughs> all these lines that are just like who, who are these who's saying this um just really adds to this this entire meltdown it's like uh, a scene but, that has like it has goofy elements that you could mm-hmm. but it's like really pivotal it's like it has a lot of meat on the bone for you to like really dig into this scene you know and it's hard to watch it's it's kind of that cringe awkward um ooh, how long is this gonna go on sort of thing and then you have fucking david the creep just sta- sitting there while his like the hat kid is just watching standing there like a hat fucking weirdo <laughs> watching the whole thing go down yes and like poor don is just sitting there in a bikini watching this happen too it's like no one else is in a bikini but she's in a fucking <laughs> bathing suit like standing there watching this shit go down Right. Remind me too, like the Seinfeld scene where they go down to Del Boca Vista, or no, I think it was pre Del Boca Vista, whatever the first one was, Phase Two, um, and Jerry's gonna accept the award or something. Remember, it was like something like that. Like mm. His dad was getting an award, and he's bombing on stage, and they do the same kind of ADR. It's like, what's he saying? <laughs> yeah. like, it was, and then Elaine gets up and does the Stella thing. Like, that's what it reminded me of. It was like very similar, where like you just hear it, you don't really see anyone talking, you just hear all these weird random comments. <laughs> Like they just needed a chick to like an old lady to faint in the background, then it would have right, been complete. Right, okay, would have <laughs> it off. But I mean, this was amazing. It was it, it was iconic stuff. Um, so Kelly finally unloads to Brenda. She like tells her everything that's been going on. My life ain't perfect. My mom's a fucking drunk, and this is what I'm dealing with right now. This is my life. So we go to break. We come back, and Cindy's got the most like mom, like knows. N- nosy you know it's about me thing ever it's like my cousin carrie's an alcoholic <laughs> <laughs> like okay learn right. about cousin carrie <laughs> and here's we get andre and kelly kind of having their moment andre tells <laughs> kelly you know she's I, the strongest person she's ever known um and she like <clears throat> she kind of says it back in a way at first kind of like I thought you like you always yeah, see so happy. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize you were so fucking miserable. I thought you were such a vapid bitch. Now, right. yeah. But then Kelly delivers a, a return serve that's even more of a backhand. She goes, "I never knew you were so pretty." And Andrea like smiles, like this mm-hmm. is like the best compliment she's ever received. Which I guess in a way, but she basically said like, "I thought you were fucking ugly as shit until <laughs> you took off your glasses and combed your hair." You know. That's like that's like asking someone like oh how did you like uh like maybe you, like you wrote a story or you wrote and then be like oh like it was a, the the spacing was good like what a like you she's talking about her character and what an amazing person right. she's like ah you look kind of you you're pretty I didn't really like Jesus Christ Kelly give her a little more but I thought yeah. Cindy was very progressive in her like attitude towards alcoholism mm-hmm. and stuff in this scene I thought that was really uh you know I thought that was kind of cool of her to be Rick real chill on that. Yeah, she didn't have, like, a freak out or, or one of those, like, um, you know, this could have turned into an after-school after special pretty quickly. But, you know, to Cindy's credit, she, she doesn't act like this isn't anything that people never do. Like, it, it's yeah. just sort of like, oh, these are real problems people face. And, you know. Right, bef- right before that, you had the scene with, like, Kelly and Brenda talking about, like, Kelly's of course, Kelly has. To, sorry, Brenda has to say you. She, she's putting on herself, saying how she feels like stupid and stuff, and mm-hmm. like I forget. Like it, it was very like uh, the the emotions of a a person being scared of an alcoholic parent was very came through really strongly in Kelly's performance. The way she talks yeah. about like having parents and like at least their parents are sober. They might not be perfect, but 
at least they're sober unless you really i mean that's a real thing i mean i've been through that like i know plenty of people i'm sure everyone knows someone who's had an alcoholic parent and it's a scary fucking thing and like this chick's been doing this for how many years you don't know mm-hmm. and i thought it really came along really really well there the way she uh she pulled it off and, and got that through to to brenda and yeah. us yeah, she's been tiptoeing around or walking on eggshells for many years. Um, she, she sort of learned how to do it. And it, she's just so helpless here at this, you know, at this fashion show where everything just, you know, went tits up, basically. And what can she really do about it? Nothing. This is her mom. Um, it's already bad enough as it is. And all she can do is just, like, let it play out. And, um yeah, I, I think this, you know, the scene before they, they go back to the Walsh house between Kelly and Brenda is, is pretty strong, um, you know, where they're kind of comparing notes. And we're getting more of Kelly's perspective now, um, which was something that, that I think has been a little lacking in this show up to the, up to date, even though we've seen a lot of, uh, like I said, the having to parent themselves throughout the series uh this is where she's really talking about her experiences and we're, and we're seeing the emotion and i mean she's kind of having a breakdown she's crying uh, brenda has to chase after her after she runs out i mean it's um it's pretty intense stuff yeah i mean this was the breaking point it's kind of like uh like hoosiers when dennis hopper shows up drunk at the basketball game like <laughs> this was like she couldn't hide it anymore you know exactly. right yeah. everyone saw it and that's that's it like it's no yeah. longer a secret. Her whole life's different now. When every she doesn't want to go to school and stuff, because now everyone knows. You got to figure her mom is sort of this well-connected, uh, wealthy socialite. She's been carrying on for however long it's it's been without consequences, because people like that tend to not face consequences the way that you know ordinary people do. <laughs> um, it's one of those. It's it's the rich. They're not like us, but. Um, too much was really enough here at this fashion show where it all comes to a head. So we mentioned earlier Jim's comic relief. Uh, he's now playing a, a Casio with Brandon in the living room <laughs> as this is all going on. No explanation. And Cindy comes in and basically like, what the fuck? And I just unplug, well, unplugs it. He's like, you can't figure it out. And he goes, there's a problem with the rhythm section, which is just an amazing fucking line. Um, and she just unplugs it, walks away, and Jim's like, okay. But we have no reason to know, like, why is this no. Casio suddenly here? Why is Jim playing it? So like you said earlier, Tim, there had to be something cut where Jim buys the keyboard. Because yeah. it's like we're supposed to just know that all of a sudden he's into this keyboard. And, and Cindy seems very fed up with it. And this seems yes. like it should be like the end of, like, her reaching the end of the rope with her putting up with this fucking keyboard for however many scenes it was supposed to be, but it's really just the first time we see it. She's like, fuck you, that's enough. It's like fucking Bobby McFerrin, Jim, fucking <laughs> all of a sudden. It's almost like that scene in Raymond where, like, I think there's a scene in Ra- Everyone Knows Raymond where Deborah just walks in with, like, a toilet paper roll and just shows him how to put it on the little thingy and just walks out and it's just like, yeah, it's almost like the same thing, but, like, where the fuck did, this? 40 minutes into the show, he's playing a keyboard and everyone's <laughs> consternated about it. Oh, so funny. And then he nails that line. It's so good. He's like, there's a problem with the rhythm section. Like, <laughs> like Kelly's right, life is falling apart. In right, the completely downstairs. oblivious to what's going on. In the yeah. other <laughs> so ja- Jackie comes in and, like, 
this is where we get quite the showdown. It's intense uh, here at Casa Walsh uh, as Jackie comes in. And basically Cindy's like, I don't know you. You don't know me. Like, I, you know, I'm not doing this mm-hmm. shit. And uh, Kelly comes in. And this one, you know, shit's on because Cindy closes the kitchen door, which never happens in this house. You, like, I didn't yeah. know there was, even was a door there, honestly, um, to let her and Jackie talk. And this this gets pretty this is a pretty big scene. Jack, you know, Kelly says, I need a mom, not a friend. You know, Jackie says, we've always been good friends. And uh, Kelly just kind of unloads to her. And it's like, this is what I need from you. You're not delivering it and or anyone else, really, when you're in the state. So uh, I, I thought it was a good scene again. I thought, you know, there was a lot of tension with Jackie and Cindy and then with Kelly coming in, too. I thought that when uh, Miss Taylor walks in and she's like, you must think like I suck or I'm the worst. And Cindy just looks at her and it's like the best line reading the show. And she's like, I don't even know you. Right. And it's like the mm-hmm. most like honest. It's so like kind and like really genuinely like how people should be treating people just because I saw you at your worst. Doesn't mean I'm going to throw you to the fucking garbage and think you're a piece of shit. Like anyone who ever leaves a comment on anyone's Facebook or Instagram or anything should think about that before they do it. <laughs> that same level of, I don't know this person. Why would I say this to this person? You know, it's like, right, right. It's so genuinely nice and fucking Cindy fucking nails that line. I don't know. That line really got me. I was like, that that was fucking one sentence. And she just summed up perfectly mm-hmm, her yeah. stance on the whole situation. Well handled. And I think that really speaks to Cindy's character. If anything, I, I feel like the show was setting us up to expect some kind of confrontation between Jackie and Cindy. Or like they were going to have. Yes. Kind of have it out because. Why wouldn't they? You know, Cindy's a Walsh. This is the Walsh's show. That's how the Walsh's should be solving the problems here. But it very smartly um, sidelined Cindy real quick after that um, very sort of gentle, kind introduction. Like I said, she shuts the door and this comes down to, to Kelly having this conversation with her mother. And it's, um, again, a, a pretty grounded realistic seeming conversation where they're, they're actually both listening to each other and talking like human beings. So I don't know. I think that's one of the, the elements that separated the shows from others of its ilk that were just more schlocky and how they would handle these types of domestic issues. Yeah. When I first saw the, 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 art, the, the episode, I was like, this could very well be a TV movie or a uh, special episode, you know, different strokes, you know, eating disorder episode or something. And it could have mm. been real schlocky, but they really didn't go into any of that stuff. It really like the, the way she describes like her life where she talks about like blood and broken glass and shit. Yeah. Like that. And that was like, she's like, I'm in high school. And you're like, you forget because, you know, and she has a line where she's like, uh, what'd she say? When you're drinking, you're nothing to nobody, which yeah. isn't necessarily the most grammatically like great line, but it's really solid for a teenager to say to her mom when, you know, right makes a lot of fucking sense to me man and it's a it's cutting like it's cutting like someone said that to me fucking christ man i don't know I this whole like. episode had the most real stuff we've seen just mm-hmm. it really strikes hard you know to people that would be in this situation uh so kelly cave she goes home and we get a good swerve here where she you know isn't sure where jackie is Do you think maybe she'll be od'd again passed out after the big fight but no she's packing for rehab she's going back uh and it was emotional like just overall, as uh, Kelly catches her packing up and is, is just relieved that Jackie's going to take it seriously and go get some help. Yeah, gone their way to Timber Hills. <laughs> That's what um, So 
you know, Brandon, who hasn't done much in this episode at all, comes in with a really great line, too, at the end, where he says, you're always going to be suspicious of perfection when uh, he gives Brenda some tips about kind of like, she's like, how did I not see this coming with Kelly? And, you know, almost like, yes, when shit's too good to be true, there's probably something behind it, you know, buried in there that we're not seeing. So I, I thought that was good. We get the payoff where Jim gets the headphones for the Casio, the payoff for the story that we didn't see. Um, and then we get the the rapper, which is David brings Kelly the tape and says, I'm not going to put this in the yearbook. You know, I thought you may want the only copy to have so no one gets their hands on it of this awful moment for your family and kelly gives you know score some points and then heads off to drive uh jackie to timber was it timber lake yeah whatever <laughs> yeah and then and then david with his giant shirt got swept up into the stratosphere because like a fucking kite <laughs> he, he got fucked out of the car yes jesus christ <laughs> and that uh that wraps the episode any thoughts on those final couple of scenes I thought the Brandon in bed was like, just annoyed me too. I think I just don't like Brandon. Give me the keys. Brandon, like he's in bed and he's so angry that his sister is asking for help. But of course it's Brandon's show. He's got the most sage advice and he gives it to her. And, Mm -hmm. but I did like the advice he gives about, you know, the suspicious of perfection. It's kind of like the, uh, I think you protest too much. If anyone's ever, it's like the preacher who screams about gay people and then is actually a gay, like anyone that's Mm -hmm. yelling about something so much is usually hiding something, you know what I mean? So you're trying to convince someone of something so Kurt much. Kurt Schilling, steroid using piece of shit. <laughs> Jeez. Well, Baltimore Oriole hate. But yeah, um, I really like the way like Cindy and Kelly interacted too, where Brenda even sees Cindy talking to Kelly and really like kind of mm, like sees mm-hmm. her mom in a different way and like almost is like, shit, I should be utilizing this. <laughs> you know, like my mom is a mom and like has good advice. I I, I like that part too. Yeah, and, and I like the wrap-up of this episode, and it must, in some ways, felt like a mini-movie. I mean, I know we talked about how it could have devolved into movie of the week, after-school, special kind of territory, and it didn't, but it feels like a, just a very solid, self-contained episode where we, we reached a point of resolution, and it's not necessarily the end of, of Jackie's story. I mean, certainly she's going to continue to be a recurring character throughout the show. I mean, unlike um, a lot of other season one characters, we will be seeing her quite a bit uh, throughout this, this run. But um, I want to say, I don't remember exactly that. I think Jackie ends up being more or less a success story. Like I don't remember her really falling off the wagon um, to any major extent after Mm -hmm. this. But she and Kelly continue to have that tense relationship where, and I think this is also very true to life. It's sort of like when she comes back from all of this, um, she has such a sense of guilt and responsibility that she sort of wants to make up for lost time and, and like wants to go through this process of reparenting Kelly and Kelly's just sort of not having it after that. So this is going to continue to inform their relationship really through the remainder of this show. And I think that's, you know, again, uh, something you see with a lot of children of addicts um, who even when when they are like a success story, it has a happy ending. There's still going to be those those very real parental issues. Um, so I'm going to look forward to kind of tracking that as as we continue to see Kelly and and check in on her mom periodically. Yeah, I, 
did anyone else uh, get a little emotional at any point at the end? I mean, I, mean, I, I kind of did. I'm a sucker, only... so I, I get, I get. Uh, if it's the right time of day, I could get a little <laughs> teary-eyed for anything. But uh, yeah, um, only because I did find it again somewhat relatable um, to myself. Not, not to the extent you know that that Jackie had it here, but. I'm like, yeah, I was kind of one of those kids that I I did sort of parent myself. And, you know, I am in a very good place with my parent now, but we're also both adults now. And it's it's sort of like you can't really go back and have that that do over. Right. And um, that's just sort of the things that I that I that were going through my head seeing um, Kelly and Jackie have this kind of you know pleasant if if very emotional and serious exchange and you know okay you're going off to to rehab now and we don't know what the future holds but at least you're making the right decision for yourself for me now in the moment that's not because i mine my whole i was a little more emotionally moved by the cindy brenda thing for i mean Mm. i had a similar Mm. I had a similar, yep. like, I had a single mom too, but for some reason, the Cindy Brenda thing just really seemed like a, just a detente almost like, you know, at this, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. they're finally like almost on the same level and Cindy just like brought it and, uh, I don't know, it just really kind of touched me. Yeah, I thought <clears throat> across the board, I mean, there's a big episode for Kelly, breakout for her, like we talked about. Jackie was amazing. We pushed Brandon and Andrea forward. We had some good comic relief from Jim. Uh, Cindy earned a lot of points. Everyone is really good, honestly, except for David, who is uh, just creepy and a little misdirected in this one. But a lot of goodness. Like, I don't know at this point what you could have wanted more from this show, like as an episode. They pretty much nailed it. And the big 80s feel of Jackie and her house was glorious as well. So, <laughs> Yeah, and the meltdown right, well, scene. Why don't we get into uh, some awards here on this episode? Uh, can, I, so, can I tell you one thing real quick? Uh, of course. On uh, when I was watching, well, I was that podcast I told you about. I discovered that Jim was originally played by a different actor. In the pilot, he was played by Ferris Bueller's dad. Oh, okay. But he was too tall. Oh. Because he's like six two. He's, and uh, so they reshot every scene. So if you watch the pilot, apparently Jim is in a door frame off camera. Like there's very few like two shots in the, oh, wow. the pilot it's so yeah his name's like lyman ward he was in planes trains and automobiles he was mm-hmm. in nightmare and Elm Street yeah he too. was steve martin's friend or who or, or whatever in that. Yeah, he's yeah. the guy that's like you're never gonna make the you're six. never gonna make the six. yeah my, my all-time favorite movie by the way but yeah so that's that. a little little nugget for you right i there. pictured ferris bueller's teacher from it when you first said that and i was like that would have been an odd choice but oh, I never realized what you said. <laughs> jimmy kimmel's friend with the talk show the uh the game show rather the um it, well, it worked out well because James Eckhouse is perfect, perfect mm. in the role. So, well, look, his his little um, Casio C plot, by the way. I mean, <laughs> as much as we've shit on it, this is gonna get. Uh, that's in the his his opening credits uh, montage. Him, mm-hmm. him sitting <laughs> there at the Casio. I, I mean, it's gonna continue to live on for for many many episodes to come. What was his end game? What was he was he composing a, the song? What was he doing in with that mm. goddamn computer? Trying to learn something new, Raga. Blow some steam from the job. <laughs> Maybe he was writing the the the, uh, the ringtone for uh, Kelly's mom's weird phone computer <laughs> thing. Oh, could be right. 
All right, best scene. Uh, let's do our awards here. I'm going with Jackie's spiral on stage to me again. It was it's the best mm-hmm. scene we've seen in the entire show. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, it, close second, her spiral when she gets mm-hmm. home and starts ordering Kelly around, but she kind of one-upped herself. That was great. The Coke one was great in the bedroom. Like, there were three or four ones, but... I mean, shit, oh. man. Coke, episode eight on, like, a show for teens. Like, mm-hmm. eh, they really brought it. Yeah. On Thanksgiving. <laughs> right. On Thanksgiving, <laughs> yes. Thank you. This, I, you know, I would have lost that context entirely if you, if you didn't tell me it was Thanksgiving night. They're showing this fucking episode. Jesus. They went I remember when I was a kid, I had these cousins that were a little older, and I would see them every Thanksgiving, and they would always be out. I didn't know about going out the night before, but they'd all be oh. all fucking hungover and shit and beat up. But then they would all go hide in their fucking one bedroom. And they'd come out all fucking amped up and geed up and giving me power slams and shit. And, and it wasn't until I discovered narcotics that I went, oh, that's what those fuckers were doing in that bedroom on Thanksgiving Day the whole time. And then why they never ate one fucking thing. <laughs> but sorry. Yeah. Come on, amped. Uh, most important scene. I, I think there's a bunch of options here. I went with Cindy catching Jackie doing coke. So I feel like it sets a time a template for what their relationship's going to be. Um, and again, kind of help diverge the two moms and how they're viewed and, and will be played out too. So that felt like poignant to me. Uh, the w- runner up would be Kelly and Jackie reconciling in the Walsh house. But I think this was the most important one because it's going to set the tone. Um. I'm going to go on a little bit of a different track and say Kelly and David at the end, they're sort of um, the little redemption they, they give David where he's like suddenly less of a scumbag and, and with no real reason, right? It's not like he had to give her the tape back, but he does. And I don't know, it, it's sort of the first, cracks in their relationship are starting to to show where it's like there's there's a thaw now where it's like he's yeah he's still the freshman kind of loser dork but um she now has a little bit more of a soft spot for him sees him as more of a person and that's just going to continue um in in subsequent episodes you wouldn't know it from this one but it's it's one of those um with the benefit of foresight we can we can track it back to here um i would just go with the cindy's uh i don't even know you scene i don't just that just seemed just i don't know that kind of floored me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all right most 90s look i, I just went with the whole fashion show <laughs> the whole thing. <laughs> pretty this, much the idea of like hot like good looking women with bad haircuts is also very <laughs> the 80s and 90s yes extremely so when you look at like yeah kelly's mom and like it's like oh that haircut is brutal but it's like oh hachimachi running around with the mm-hmm. uh, but yeah you often wonder when these people look back it's like they were at their whatever like when you see like a supermodel or Karina right. and they were stuck with these shitty hairstyles and that's right. like yeah. all the these pictures piece. exist of yeah. them it's like god damn it they must have just have killed for a blowout but Cindy appears to be wearing an oriental rug. It's just sort of <laughs> there is not one inch of skin below her chin no, showing in her whole body. It. It's just st- straight up her neck. Yeah, she's like in a main event in Saudi Arabia. Like, Jesus Christ, like have an ankle showing or something, man. All right. Most 90s moment. Uh, obviously, Jackie's giant 
phone thing. Jim playing a Casio. And I want the idea of a mother-daughter fashion show. I guess maybe that could be a constant, but I don't know. It just felt 90s to me. Uh, David's giant shirt at the end is very mm-hmm. 90s. <laughs> and I thought the uh, the VHS lens that has to have the record in the upper right-hand corner. Yes, the square. yes. Oh, yeah. I'll yeah. let you know. I, you know, I'm going to have to give it to Jim and his Casio for most 90s. As 90s as it gets. All right, best lesson learned. Uh, I, I assume what the grass isn't always greener on the other side, as we learned uh, in the case of Brenda here tonight. Her jealousy. Yeah, well said. I thought Cindy, like, not judging people by their worst moments is a, a really good lesson to learn. Yep. Not jumping on someone at their fucking lowest, you know? Mm-hmm. All right, best hookup. We didn't really have any here. Uh, I want Brandon and Andrea, though, because we're starting to see the flames flicker a little bit hotter after Brandon sees her all done up. You know, he helped her out with the fashion show thing. So it seems like we're progressing here a little bit. I think uh, Kelly and Cindy's relationship is really a next level taken to a different level. Mm-hmm. I don't know if they really s- stick with that. But to me, that was the the coolest, like, deep, con- like new hookup that I thought. Ooh, yeah, that's I, a good one. Yeah, I, I like that one. I'm going to jump on that one, too. Just the... Cindy is the show mom and now being uh, Kelly's surrogate mother uh, seems like a pretty big deal. Pretty big development. Does does Kelly and Andrea get most passive aggressive moment? (laughs) (laughs) I never knew you were okay looking. Yeah, I didn't know you were a piece of you were not a piece of garbage on the bottom of the (laughs) shoe. Great. Thanks a lot. All right. Best quotes. Uh, Jackie says, sometimes I feel like a fashion addict. Uh, Jim says, that's a mother to the girl, the hot woman uh, dressed up on stage. And then uh, Jim's saying that. there's a problem with the rhythm section, which is awesome. Uh, yeah, so uh, Jim's line on the Casio and also Kelly's, um, I developed an extremely acute sense of smell after I got my nose corrected. <laughs> um, David's, uh, I think she'll get off on it. It was definitely gross. <laughs> Um, shit. Brandon's line at the end was was good. All the ADR was pretty great. Um, I think that's a bit rude. Fuck. Oh, (laughs) Miss Kelly's mom when she does the blow, she's just like, "I just need a jump start." That was definitely uh, (laughs) a. That's that was a good one. So I don't know. A lot of good choices in this episode for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of good lines. All right, final grade. I, I mean, I never imagined going this high this early. I thought for sure we'd build to it. But like I said earlier, I I don't know what else you would want from this show at this moment in time. Like, I don't think there's anything in this episode you really could have changed or said like, ah, this would have made it better. I mean, we nitpicked a couple things, but I, I mean, I was really roped in. It flew by. I thought like it had the best individual performances we've seen to date by Jackie and Kelly. I think it had the best scenes. I, I think you could probably pick three scenes from this episode that are all the top three of, of uh, the whole series so far. Um, it was poignant. There was some good insights. It was funny. Like it just, it had everything. It just clicked. So I went, I went the full way. I went 10 out of 10 on this. I think it's a perfect episode of Beverly Hills 90210 in season one. I don't like, I don't know how else you could, I don't know how to dig it. You know what I mean? Like to me, it's just, it was perfect. Wow. Um, and I shocked myself because I never thought I'd go 10. This yeah. Morning. I mean, I, I can't push back on it too hard. I, I think I'm going to go, 
I'm going to give it a 9 out of 10, only because as great as an episode as it is on its own, I could have used more of the ensemble. You know what I mean? I, I, I want to, I still think there's that perfect episode out there that utilizes like the entire cast. You know what I mean? And that's what I really want to reserve my 10 perfect, perfect yeah. 10 for. I think, um, I think the way I'm going to look at this, which may be different from other things I've done, I think because of the volume of episodes, uh-huh. I'm going to try and judge it within its, moment because it's so different you know i mean like we've done like seinfeld and stuff like that where it's like all right you kind of know it's like all the same right um but with this it's like it it's going to be such a different show later that i'm going to try and look at it within its construct of the moment right so like in this moment it's a perfect episode perfect kind of how i looked at it but when you're talking about the future it's the difference when i first i put on when i told my wife about this and i was like gonna watch season one and i put on the pluto like stream and there it's like Literally the first thing she ever saw. She watched a couple of episodes of the first season with me. She's not really paying attention, but. And then I put it on, and the first thing she saw was when Dylan's wife dies in the car crash with the gangsters. Right. And she's like, how is this the same fucking show? Right, mm-hmm. yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like the difference between what will be melodrama, and this is just drama. You know what I mean? This is real life, and it becomes melodrama. So no matter how cool those episodes might be, they're never going to, those won't reach this level. Like seeing Rebecca Gayhart dead in Luke Perry's arms is not the same as watching a teenage girl's wife disintegrate with an alcoholic mother, you know, it's just not going to be the same. Yeah. Um, what you're saying about the ensemble too, is I kind of like, and here's a wrestling analogy. It's kind of like, and here's where I'm going to lose like Scott and people like that, where it's like AEW where you don't need the main dudes there all the fucking time. It's kind of cool that you could have different dudes main event and Mm -hmm. get the spotlight, you know, like you don't have Brando and Dylan in there and you have this seat like, you're giving a 10 episode to an episode that doesn't even have Dylan or Steve in it. You know, I know, it's crazy. Yeah. That's wild. You know, and Brandon's just in there to call his mom a rock of ages and shit like that and lay in bed. But yeah, it's it's pretty fucking wild that they could do that. And that's what I kind of like about this episode is it's like that, like the, the AEW thing where you don't need to be beaten down the fucking ha- with a hammer about these dudes, you know? And even the last episode, Dylan just kind of pops in, gives some sage advice and pops out with his pajamas on. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So you're going 10 on this, Rocco? Ooh. Yeah, I think no, because I would have not given it a 10 unless you did. So I'll, I'm going to go with a nine ski. <laughs> I still I think that, say, I guess, yeah. if you're going to nitpick something, it's like, where the fuck did that keyboard come from at 40 <laughs> minutes in? And, you know, I don't know. That was so, great. I'm glad they did it. I'd rather have the yeah. keyboard with no explanation than not have it. Yeah, because it gives it that combination of crazy. It's a, this movie has insane drama. It's like, what is that? Like a fucking... It starts off, I keep I'm having horror movie references that I know Justin won't get, but <laughs> it's like an insane drama, and then they have that ridiculous shit, and then the weird overdubs, and then you get yeah. Donna Martin, and then David being creepy. It's so you do get that, like, it's American Pie meets American Beauty, you know what I mean? It's like, it's mm-hmm. got all these little disparate elements, so I'm going to give it a nine, though, because, uh, you know, when I'm on this show again in three years, I don't want I want to have the ability to give it a ten. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, I tell you, if, if you were going to give it a 10, you're kind of talking me up there, especially with the, the AEW reference where I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a really good point. Plus, it's it's of its time. It's sort of, I'll say this much, it's probably as good an episode as a season one episode can be. Um, now you're talking me into a 10 over here. It's perfect. Yeah. There's nothing else. Yeah, you know, you know what? It's, well, I'll you flip. know what it is? I'll, I'll a 9 for a season one episode is a 10 for any other episode is mm. what it is. That's a good point, you know. 
All right. Uh, let's do a couple trackers here before we wrap up. So the only song I was able to find on the soundtrack listing uh, was Star by Erasure, which uh, was playing during the catwalk scene, which I figure is probably a, a known song during that scene, but not much else going on here in the way of music. Uh, all right. Character debuts, Jackie Taylor, Nina, and Nancy Martin. I don't think I, I miss anyone else of uh, note. How do, um, we, how do we list Donna's mom? Because, again, she's called Nancy here. She's played by totally the wrong person. Like, I'm just going to call it Nancy Martin, and Nancy later we'll Martin. just call it Felice. Felice. <laughs> we pretend this is like an aunt situation where yeah. uh, it was her aunt that she thought it was her mom. Maybe they pulled the op-de-op, and then she finds out that yeah. it's really Felice. You forgot the uh, the opening, the first character that speaks on this episode, which is the disembodied voice of uh, African-American DJ just going, yo, 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 yo. No, we had him already. He's been on since season what? one. DJ Jesus Mike Christ. MC. Yeah, I, I'm assuming it's still one. him. Yeah, yeah I'm oh, assuming fuck. it's still him. Shit. Yeah, he's Sorry. been a constant. We don't see him this time, but he's it's got to be the same guy. Yeah, oh, I think it's I, still Mike MC. Sorry, guys. Sorry. All oh. good. All good. There's a lot going on. All right. Uh, relationships. I, I noted Cindy and Kelly. Anyone else we want to put in here? I mean, Kelly and David. Yeah, I mean, it's the beginning of that, right? Yeah, that's a good one. She shows kindness to him for the first time. Yep. I'm going to put Brandon and Andrea, too. I think this is the mm-hmm. most progress we've had with them. And Jim uh, and his love of music, too. And Jim and his <laughs> Cassia. Yeah. All right, places and things. I just noted Jackie's super house, I guess. That's pretty oh much the only one, right? Yeah. 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 Jackie's coke vial. <laughs> <Don't put that. laughs> I'll make note of that. Uh, all right, character ranking. So let's do our episode, and then we'll uh, layer that on top of the full uh overalls so the best character in this episode is the jackie taylor's house (laughs) (laughs) so we're gonna add jackie in to the list right for sure okay Okay. 100 percent. so this is our first one in a while that dylan's not going to be number one in the episode so jackie is is number one so we're giving her the full 12 points i i think kelly's too right yeah, um, I mean, I'm a, I'm like I'm kind of a Cindy guy on this one, but I, I was gonna go Cindy third. I was gonna go Jackie uh, Kelly Cindy. Yeah, Jackie I could Kelly that. Cindy. I yeah, Kelly had a lot more weight on her in this episode than Cindy did. Honestly, mm-hmm. I think, I think all I was, those heavy scenes she was in. I think I was just like wanting Cindy to be my mom the whole episode. So, <laughs> <laughs> and the fact that I'm older than now now than she was then is ridiculous too. So never mind. Put me on the couch for that one. So next, do we want to go Brenda? It's definitely a Yeah, there's a drop. Yeah, Brenda. Brenda has more growth than Andre. Andre really doesn't change or grow or anything. Right. So Brenda definitely does. So. All right, so we'll go Brenda next, and we're actually going to 13 points now for that first slot. Uh, Then you want to go Andrea, then Brandon, then Jim. I kind of yeah. like. I don't mind I like, that. I put the. I put like. I want Donna to get a little recognition because no. she kind of tells me. <laughs> what? No. She's at the bottom. She's gonna get more points than she usually gets because half the fucking people aren't in this one. So right. she's she gonna do okay, but she's not she going. David to get the fuck out of the, the dressing room. I thought that yeah. was great. She may go ahead of David because you're such a creep, but that's it. She can't go ahead of Andrea, Jim, or Brandon. No, no, no. I agree, but okay. I, I want her to get a little recognition for kicking his ass out of the dressing room. Are you right with that order, though? Andrea, then Brandon, then Jim? Or yeah. actually, Andrea, Jim, then Brandon. 
Yeah, because Jim was playing keyboard, so yeah. Yeah, yeah. You this is the lowest Brandon finish so far. I mean, Brandon couldn't even get out of bed for one scene, so. Yeah, he's barely, yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so then we'll do Donna, which is a high, her highest finish at six. Uh, then David, mm-hmm. five. And Scott. then, yeah, Scott at four. And then we just got, I mean, do we just give zero? Like, we haven't really run into this too much. With Dylan... Steve, Steve and Nat. Nat. That Donna's mom. I guess we just go in order of like best to worst usually. So Dylan three. Yeah. Steve two. Nat one. This is completely upended. I feel like our our usual rank. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not going to destroy the overall totals too much. Uh, it's going to make a change though. I think. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, no, maybe not. That's expected. I mean, just compared to an average episode, it's it's like completely ass up, you know? Right. All right. Well, I uh, computate the numbers, Tim. You want to talk about anything you got going on? Um, sure. So uh, on our sister network, the Jenny position, JT, you and I do another podcast with our friends, Jennifer Smith. Hang on, and- hang on. I feel like, should we give zero to these ones that aren't on? I feel like it's cheap to give them three points, two points, one point. I think if they're not in, they just get zero. The title. Uh, what do we typically do for the non-appearances? I don't think we've really run into one, have we? Dylan wasn't mm-hmm. on one episode, wasn't There's been it? a few he hadn't been on. Well, it was the first one, so we just didn't rank them. Uh, I think yeah. he's at least been in every one since. The DJ was in this episode, so you could put it. I think I'm leaning towards zeros. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, that simplifies it, certainly. I think it seems like a cheap three points for, like, Dylan or something that wasn't even here. Like, why is he yeah. getting Yeah, what's he getting the points for, right? Okay. Okay. All right, back to what you are saying. That just the equal, that just levels the playing field. If they're not in it, they don't get points, right? Right. So, yep. okay, so you will uh, tabulate that, and I will tell you that uh, you should subscribe to the Jenny Position where JT and myself uh, do another podcast with Jennifer Smith and with Scott Criscolo. It's called The Journey Through Infinity. Uh, We're going chronologically through all the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're more than halfway through the Infinity Saga. Uh, Most recent installment of that podcast, we talked about Thor Ragnarok. Uh, Probably no spoiler to say it's a big favorite among all four of us finished pretty strong and we look forward to uh talking some black panther pretty soon uh so you may have heard uh the journey through infinity kind of simulcast as well right here on north south connection uh network but that is really a jenny position original so check out the jenny position um also jennifer smith and i have talk and pop which is where we get together, talk about pretty much whatever's on our minds. We often have a guest and have a bit of an in-depth, intimate interview. Uh, so we're going to be doing a Halloween special coming up pretty soon. We're going to try to get our ducks in a row, our shit together this year, a little bit better than we had last year, um, and do some real fun Halloween-themed spooky season-type stuff on the Jenny position. Um you can also subscribe to Place Me Nation Pop, where I'm often a part of the Pop Goes to the Couch panel. That's mostly going through 
Uh, notable television shows, again, mostly Marvel-related, on a bit of a hiatus right now. But we're talking about doing a wrap-up of What If, once the uh, the animated limited series What If wraps up on Disney+. Plus. So that, from the Coming Soon files. Uh, JT, do you think that about covers it? I think so, my friend. Uh, Rocco, you want to tell us about your band? Uh, sure. Um if you uh, care, it's uh, called Chained to the Dead. Chained as in chains. <laughs> C as in chained. Um, I don't know, it's a death metal band. We have uh, songs about horror movies and wrestling and stuff like that. It's a Breaking Bad song that you might like. Many, mm. ma- we have a song about Bam Bam Bigelow because he's the greatest wrestler from my home state of Ooh. New Jersey of all Asbury time. Asbury Park, yeah. Damn straight. And many years ago, when I wrote the song, I wanted a sample for it. So I, I friend requested Justin, JT, sorry, and messaged them about like, hey, man, do you like know any cool like Bam Bam Bigelow quotes? And uh, he did not reply to me. So I did that song. That song <laughs> has no sample to it. But you wrote me. I did. write. Uh, I don't recall. This that. is like 2000, wow. 2014. But you did not care about my band's uh, struggles to find I a cool. I cared. Sample. I probably just didn't see the message. No, nah, I'm just kidding. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But uh, yeah, yeah well, uh, if you have your remix, I'm there. I'll be like ODB in the Mariah Carey remix. Sure. <laughs> yeah, just give me some samples. That'd be cool. But yeah, we what you uh, do when you get out of jail. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, that video. That was a that was top level Mariah back then. Um, do a remix. But yeah, if you care about heavy music or horror movies or wrestling, you might like my band. If not, no sweat off my back. It's a uh, chain to the dead at Bandcamp. Dot com where you could listen to everything we've ever done for free. And if you want, you could buy our albums and shirts and all that stuff. All right, we'll check out a shirt to make up for not giving the Bigelow sample. We have a shirt with Abdul the Butcher on it because we have a shirt called Butcher about um, Mark Ruffalo. No, I'm just kidding. It's about Abdul the Butcher. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess uh, that's all I got. You can find me eventually. I, I assume we're going to have a podcast, me and Justin, called uh, Total Nonstop Tuesday Night Titans. Yes, yeah, so obviously. Oh, yeah. TNT never dies. Yeah, we're just gonna go right through it. We're just gonna do it like straight through. So yeah, okay. uh, that's all I got. All right, I'm at JT the Pod Guy on Twitter. Uh, you can find everything we got at NorthSouthConnection.podbean.com. Tons of great shows. I'm not gonna go through them all, uh, but it's a lot of great content, which I'm really proud of. And again, if you're interested in being on this show, if you love Beverly Hills now to two and reach out. And we'll get you on. We're pretty book solid, which is exciting, Sam. Like, we got a, a pretty long already set. So, pretty yeah. cool. Um, all right, real quick. Here's our final character rankings now, all time through seven episodes. In 13th place, Nat Basuccio with 11 points. In 12th place, Donna Martin with 12. Nice. And uh, above her is Jackie. Uh, excuse me, Jackie Taylor with 13 points. Scott Scanlon above her at 20, and that's kind of the bottom tier because from here now we're up in points. Uh, Andrea Zuckerman with 40, Kelly Taylor with 42. I gave Jim Walsh the tiebreaker over Kelly just because of the um, more depth of the performances so far. Oh, okay. But probably, probably, and the Casio, but um, that probably won't stand for too long. So he's got 42. We got David Silver with 43 points, Steve Sanders with 49, and then our top four: Cindy Walsh with 54. And here's our big shakeup. Dylan McKay down to third place with his big goose egg in this episode, 57 mm. points. Just three ahead of Cindy right now. And, and of course, he's got two less episodes. But Brenda Walsh is now moving to second with 66 points. And even with uh, the subpar performance here tonight, Brandon Walsh still our king at 73 points. So there's our now top 13 
as Jackie Taylor enters the main character ranking. My prediction that the next episode is about Cindy's possible affair, so (laughs) she might be number two by the end of the next time this episode, the show airs. We'll see. We'll see. Exciting times. All right. This show drops every two to three weeks or so, uh, maybe three or four weeks, somewhere in there on the North-South on Fridays. Check it out. Thank you so much. We love you. Take care. Little dim sum, little dim sum. (laughs) 